May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So it's Advent, and uh, you can tell it's Advent because the church is pretty purpley. So we have purple flowers, purple on the lectern, purple in front of the altar, purple candles, purple cloth around the candles. Adrian's wearing purple, and if you'd come at 8 o'clock, I was all in purple. Peter's in purple. It's a purpley kind of season. But today, I'm wearing my U2 chasuble from a song that comes off Joshua Tree, and I'll let you work out which song inspired this multicoloured thing, because today is also a day of celebration, a day we baptise Charlotte Rose. As I said, Advent is a time of preparation, and we talked about with the children house a time of preparation for Christmas, and that kind of makes sense because Lent, which is also a purpley kind of time of year, uh, we prepare for Good Friday and Easter. But actually, Advent is much bigger than just preparing for Christmas. One of the people I listened to as I prepare for these sermons described Advent as a time of preparation for the coming of Christ in history. So that includes Christmas, but it's not just the Christmas story. It's the whole of the story of Jesus and the Gospels. How he lived, who he mixed with, how he treated people, what he said. And in doing so, how he revealed the character of God. What does God care about? What's God passionate about? We also prepare for the coming of Christ in mystery. So that's the crucified and risen Christ present now, both in times when people like us gather in churches and do all the things we do in churches, but also when we look around the world and we see people carrying on living just like Jesus did, with the same kind of values, the values that are held in our candles, hope and peace and love and joy, offering that to the world. And then lastly, Advent is a time of preparation for the coming of Christ in majesty, when all that God hopes for for this world is fulfilled, when God's reign comes in its fullness, when God's hope and joy and love, peace, shalom reigns. And every second Sunday in Advent, we hear about John the Baptist. So this year, because it's year A, we hear about John the Baptist from Matthew's Gospel. Next year is year B, we hear it about it from Mark's Gospel. And then, just like last year, year C, we hear it from Luke's Gospel, and then we're back to Matthew. So we run a three-year cycle of readings. And each of those gospel readings, uh, writers have a different focus, a different, different emphasis, both on the whole story, but also on how they portray John the Baptist. And in Matthew's gospel, John is all about repentance. So I'm sure you were inspired for what he said. Probably some of you are thinking, that's a bit heavy on a day of a baptism. Couldn't we have something a little bit nicer? Uh, well, that's just the one we have for today. Repentance. Now, we often think about repentance being um, 
feeling guilty or sorry about the things we have done and promising not to do them anymore. And in the Catholic tradition, that then gets married up with, and then you do some penance, like, say, a few Hail Marys or Lord's Prayers as a way of reinforcing that you're not going to do that anymore, and then you go on with life. The Greek for repentance is metanoia, and it literally means bigger mind. So meta means bigger, and noia means mind. So what does bigger mind look like? Well, we've just done it in our description of Advent. So we can think about Advent being about a time of preparation for Christmas. And that's fair enough. But if we apply a bigger mind to that, then Advent becomes a time of preparation for Christ in history, mystery, and majesty. A much bigger understanding of what that's about. And when we come into something with a bigger understanding, well, that invites you to live in some different ways with different priorities. So if we're just preparing for Christmas and what we do for Christmas, that's fine. But what happens when we prepare for Christ in history, mystery, and majesty? Okay, this is where I cross my fingers and hope this little video clip works. Dear friends and family, I don't think I can do Christmas this year. And Mom, I know what you're going to say. Don't be so dramatic, but I'm serious. I love parts of it, don't get me wrong. The family dinner, Ben's famous eggnog, Grandma's oatmeal cookies, Tim's Christmas sweater hugs. But that's not what's getting to me. It's the 10 days till Christmas pressure, the never-ending to-do list, the traffic jams, the credit card debt, all for what? To get that right gift to get meaning to it all? We spend so much money every year on good things for each other, but also on a lot of things just for things' sake. Like that random gift card for you, Tracy, because I never know what you want. Or Cousin Joel, that shirt I know you didn't really like, that wasn't your size, which means you go back to the mall and waste that whole day just so you could receive a gift from me. And it's not that gifts are bad, but lately I don't understand how all the buying and business has anything to do with celebrating Christmas. Thank you. 
one with all So dear friends and family, who's ready for that Christmas? I know we are, and we're inviting you to join us. Alright, so I invite you to turn around and talk to the people you're sitting with. What do you think? How do you respond to the Advent conspiracy people and what they're talking about? Have a chat. The Lord be with you. Now, I did not realise that when I found that video on the internet. Uh, but the Christian, so we, uh, the Anglican Church, is part of an organisation, a decade development organisation called Christian World Service. And their theme this year is about water. Uh, and so we have the brochures out there, uh, which may or may not have been given out when you came in. Excellent. So good job, people at the door. Uh, so I invite you to take that moment to think about it. They also do um, wonderful gifts that you can give instead of um, Christmas gifts like goats for other people. But you need to be careful about who you give that to because some of us had the experience of people going, I don't want a goat, I just wanted a normal present. And my mother said that to me. All those years of going to church didn't rub off on that one, but never mind. Josie, another parishioner, she tried that on her children, didn't go down well. So be careful on that one. Today we're baptising Charlotte any minute. Yvonne's great granddaughter and Bev's goddaughter's daughter. So is that a, like, is that a term? I'm not sure. So what is baptism? I was asked that outside. Uh, and I tried this at 8 o'clock and I got a very poor response. So I'm going to get you to talk to your neighbour for about 15 seconds. If somebody asked you, what is baptism, how would you answer? You've got 15 seconds to talk to your neighbour. Where are you going? What is baptism? Any other answers? 
making her part of the family. So uh, some of us read it in After a Woman's Day, where Gemma talked about that. And uh, so it's a way of including people into your family, but also it's a much bigger family, the family of the Anglican Church, but even bigger than that, the whole church around the world. So today, Charlotte, you're part of a family that is about, I think it's 2 billion people around the world, uh, and you are an important member of that family. You should have been done a computer. <laughs> <laughs> Any other answers? Yes. It's a sacred and holy act. It is. Uh, we call it a sacrament, so it's an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace, which means God is at work here, and sometimes we can't see God at work, but God is at work doing great things. So I always warn people, I don't actually warn the gentleman, but I warn them that when they get their child baptized, God is now at work in their lives. And I remember one of the people who was ordained with me, he came from a non-church background, but his parents got him baptized, and he said, well, I'm here because of that, because God meant I'm going to take this seriously and change how he lived his life. And Theo, Sorry, I must have to Charlotte's talking. <laughs> yes, that's a great answer. Welcoming Charlotte into our family. But Charlotte, you are now part of us. We hope you come visit. On our font is this symbol. A little bit. Now, let me find the glasses. Right here. So it's not quite that symbol, but it's pretty close to that symbol. And it's an amazing thing to have on our font. So, again, I tried this at 8 o'clock and it was a very small response. So I'm going to get you to turn to your neighbours, just to warm you up. What is this all about? You've got 15 seconds again. What is this symbol about? But visitors, you may not know and that's alright. I'll let you off. But there's a lot of Christians here who should know exactly what this is about. defenders of this land and at the end of that battle at a battle of Gate Par so we are built at the Par site and at the end of that battle there were about 110 killed and wounded British soldiers here and about 30 killed Māori and who knows how many wounded because they ran away during the night uh, wisely um, during the night Colonel Booth who was one of the commanding officers lay mortally wounded 
and calling out for water. And one of, at least one of the Māori defenders then brought water to him and other British soldiers. So traditionally it's Henny, Henny to Kirikaramu or Jane Foley. If you go down into the lakes, there's actually a Foley Street which remembers her. So this is what this window is all about. Uh, but a lot of the local Māori go, eh, wasn't her, she's from Rotorua, she's Arawa. It was Henare Wiramu Taratoa, one of their own people, the guy who wrote the rules. And then if you come from over the other side of the Wairoa, it was Henny and a whole lot of them. So, and then if you listen to one of the Komata from Huria Marae, it was his grandmother. So who knows? But at least one person, and probably more than one person, risked their lives to give water to somebody who had just tried to kill them. So just think about that. So being baptised is about repentance, and it's about having a bigger mind, seeing the world from a different perspective. And when the Māori received the gospel, they went back to what the early church did and said, this is a gospel of peace, of non-violence. They laid down their weapons. And when they were forced to come up again to defend their land, they wrote a rule of engagement which said, we don't want to fight, but we have to fight. These are the limits of that fighting. This is who we will fight with and how we will fight. And that was before the Geneva Convention. I'm hoping you all know about the Geneva Convention. When I told school kids, they've never heard of it, so I have to explain it. I'm just assuming you know what that is. So this is before the Geneva Convention. And then, during the night, at least one and some of those people risked their lives because they didn't see enemies. They saw their brothers who needed their care. So before they left, they offered that care. And then they left. And that's what repentance is about. And that's what we're doing here. We are washing shards of the old practices of the old world. And we are immersing her into the, the, the values and the practices of the way of God. Immersing her into God's compassion, God's generosity, God's hospitality and justice. All of which are held in that story of what happened here 156 years ago. We immerse her into God's shalom, God's peace, the theme for the today. Now, in Hebrew, shalom isn't just an absence of violence, an absence of war. Peace is about, shalom is about the completion, the wholeness, when all that God longs for comes to be. And when that comes to be, then there will be peace. So as we baptize Charlotte, we pray that she will grow up shaped by these values, that she will be taught these values and practices by Yvonne and others, because I think that's one of the great things that grandparents and great-grandparents can offer, actually. They have the time to offer that kind of stuff. And that she will join us in bringing in, in, in God's work of bringing God's shalom into this world. So that's enough from me. No, I can't put that down. It's what we're going to do next. So now we're actually going to do it. The baptism. So, find it in my sheet. I invite the family to come and stand around.
I should have service sheets with them. And I invite the children to come over here. And some of them are going to help us. 